Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution Podcast, where women are magical and empowered. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, psychologist turned transformational feminine business coach. This podcast is for you if you want to prioritize your own pleasure, face your fears, and manifest your desires. This podcast is sponsored by the Fearless Feminine Academy, where I teach women how to turn their trauma into their superpowers. My goal is to show women that we can heal our world by creating time and financial freedom by doing whatever the fuck we want. Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. I'm so honored that you're here. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. I have my special guest and mentor here, Lauren Elizabeth Love, and I really wanted to have her on because she really embodies what I think of when I think of the fearless feminine archetype. I love so many things about you, but just to introduce you a little bit if people don't already know. Um, you are a vulnerability leader. You got a commitment to accessibility, providing people um, business mentorship, high-level mentorship at every level. Which mm. accessibility, I think, is such a huge issue, especially yes. in the coaching industry. Love that about you. Thank you. Yeah, unapologetically spiritual. Uh, always working on yourself. Just, I mean, I can't say enough good things about you. Uh, So I'm really honored to have you here and I just kind of want to first get your take on in a lot of spiritual traditions they're looking at really like we're rise in divine feminine leadership and so I'm kind of curious I feel like you're a big part of that um what what do you think of when you think of the divine feminine revolution what does that mean to you Mm, it feels so good you know, I think for for years and years and years, everything that we have built has been on patriarchal ground. Mm-hmm. It has been on the backs of men, the efforts of men, in the vision of a man, you know. And as we've grown as a culture, what we've come to recognize is that the world needs the feminine to rise just as much as it's needed the masculine. I mean, the masculine did some really incredible things for us, right? The industrial age and all of these beautiful corporations that now allow us convenience and freedom in our lives, right? There's a great side to that, but there's also an incredible shadow and a challenge that comes when we've run things in the masculine. And to me, this this new age that we are now stepping into, I kind of believe like I look at 2020 as this transitional period, Um, but it's just really, for me, I feel like 2020 is that, that battle age or the year where we're feeling the paradigm shift. You know, there's so much to explore here. I think for me, the feminine is very symbolic in what we are witnessing in our culture and what we're witnessing in the environment. You know, we look at like things that happened in Australia in the beginning of the year, the fires, right? We looked at that and we were like, oh my God, planet Earth, she is screaming for, for us. She is crying for us to take care of her. I think to me, the biggest breakthrough of the divine feminine is the care for Mother Earth, for Gaia, 
right? To really slow down and pay attention to taking care of the planet. And I, I want to just also be clear on that too. Like I'm a businesswoman, right? I believe in financial freedom and I work hard, but I also believe that there is a flow and a femininity and a pause that exists within each and every one of us that's so necessary to achieve all of that success and that growth. I think for a long time, women have been conditioned to do things the way men have been doing them. And we've been trying to wear that hat. And then we feel overworked and burnt out and challenged. And so to me, this feminine rising that we are witnessing in this, you know, age transition, right? We're going into that Aquarius world. I think it's really just about embodying the true essence of what it means to be a woman and having us do things our own way to allow the world to rise and expand and for our own personal expansion as well, empowering the energies of being a woman. I think that's a great answer. And one thing that stands out to me with the 2020 thing is, you know, sort of the vision analogy. So like, it's time that we really see things clearly. Mm. And I think uh, really balancing that masculine and feminine, you know, as you know, like we have both of those things inside of ourselves. It's not like gender based. Yeah. We have both masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. Um, and it's about giving and receiving, right? So tell me a little bit about your journey. Like when you first started out, were you more in the masculine? Like. Mm. I know your kind of tagline is about business is really about growing yourself. So tell me a little bit about your journey. Yeah, sure. So um, I, I think for me, like when I look back on like why my feminine was suppressed, um, I think a lot of that had to do with my father, Uh, you know, growing up and watching my father who was taught by his father, who was taught by his father to be tough and strong and work hard and put in your hours and pay your dues and achieve success. And like this masculine hustle, like even my energy shifts as I'm saying that, right? Like, like just go get it. Uh, and I desperately desired love from my father growing up. I, I wanted his approval. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be, you know, received. And so I think a lot of us have this pattern of when we want somebody to like us, we immediately think we have to be like them. And growing up in that culture from, you know, my, both of my parents were off the, their, not them, but their parents, all of them were off the boat. So my mom and my father were raised by 100% immigrant Italian families. And a lot of that culture came with them, that belief that women are meant to be in the kitchen and they do the dishes, right? And so when I was the first born of both sides, I felt this great need to be in that achievement energy, uh, to go and get and sort of break that pattern of what it meant to be a woman to my grandparents, right? I didn't want to just get married and stay at home and have children. I wanted those things, but I also wanted to be significant and to be seen and to make, you know, a success for myself. So of course, trying to please my father, I went into television news because that's what he was in, right? Mm. He was, my dad was an on-camera weatherman. And so I followed that path and I went into television. And if you don't know anything about television news structure, it is very, um, it's, it's a bunch of old men. <laughs> like That's like the basic way to put it, a bunch of old men. And CBS, which is where I worked, was one of the oldest um, masculine uh, like the people who worked there was the oldest generational uh, gap. Like they literally had people there who had worked for 50 years in the industry. 
And they had incredible stories. And, and oftentimes the men would say to me, you should be grateful for the job you have because if you were here, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you would have had to be a secretary before you ever got to do what you're doing for like seven years before you could sit in an edit room. And I took that at the time as like, well, good for me. But looking back, I'm like, oh my God, why would you ever say that to a woman? That is terrible. So I, I entered an industry where I was kind of set up for failure. I remember my coworkers who were men got paid more than me. They got promotions that I didn't get. It was a real challenge uh, for me growing in that environment. And I also at the same time had this feminine side to me. I wanted to talk about emotions and I wanted to do inner work and I wanted to share vulnerable content in what I was creating, but there was no space for that in television news, right? Television news is sensation and marketing and, you know, that big breakthrough news story that's, you know, really going to captive COVID, right? Like, let's just milk that for all it's worth, right? <laughs> so um, I, I took a leap. I quit my job and I decided I was going to start my own blog and I, I had a plan. It was pull your 401k, move in with your boyfriend's parents, and you got a year. And so for a year... I, I focused on achievement. I burnt myself out. I overworked. I sat at my desk 12 hours a day. And my belief was if any, if I waste an hour away from this computer, that is an hour I could have spent trying to get closer to my goal. And that's a really, that's the masculine and its power, right? The masculine wants to solve a problem. The masculine wants to achieve. Um, but at some point my feminine started to cry out, right? So how did you overcome that legacy of pushing too hard, especially in, you know, a business? Because I think a lot of people burn out in businesses. A lot of businesses don't make it. How did you really surrender and learn to trust um, that, that, you know, one of the things you say a lot is that your, your mission was meant for you? Yes. Yes. Um, so I, I kind of, this is, this is like really important to know is that the feminine rising works in layers, right? She doesn't just show up one day and go, oh, you're going to live in your feminine now. Hello. There's this very important healing process that comes when we decide that that's something that we want to embody. And a lot of that started for me by healing my relationships with the feminine, you know, really looking at my relationship with my mother, my relationship with my peers as a woman. Those were really, really important qualities of my growth process that allowed me to feel safe in embodying that feminine. You know, many people think the feminine energy is about pedicures and getting massages and wearing frilly dresses. And, and the reality is being in your feminine is really about being. It's not about doing. It's not about reaching an outcome. It is about embodying the goddess energy within you just by existing. So I, in order to transition into this place where I could heal my wound with the feminine, I had to recognize that it was safe to shelf the masculine. It was safe to pause and step away from, from my hustle and my go-getter. And a lot of that is about giving up control. Because the truth is when you're in that place where being in your feminine, which is about being and flowing and doing what feels good and not trying to achieve some sort of outcome and just being in a really good energy. When you're not doing that, it's, it's almost like 
let's just say there's a, a pie chart, right? And that pie chart needs to be full all of the time. So if there's no feminine in there, you're 100% masculine rather than trying to be 50-50. And that alone creates shadow within the masculine. And shadow is where these personality traits or these energies or these feelings can get inflated and can go sort of dark. So a good masculine energy is, I'm going to show up today. I'm going to make a to-do list. I'm going to get it done. And then when it's over, I'm going to go be in my feminine and have fun and play and feel good, right? A wounded masculine is I'm going to work for 12 hours and do my checklist and do all of these things and have no time for anything else. So I needed to really come back to that place where I got clear about the boundaries that existed between those energies and allowing room for both in my life. I thought it was really powerful when you were talking about your dad and broadcast news and kind of that masculine paradigm. You know, I learned from my dad, uh, luckily he had some feminist leanings. So that's always nice when you have that kind of healthy masculinity there, but he was a lawyer. And when I was in grad school, he ended up getting cancer mm-hmm. and he worked, he, luckily he's been like 10 years plus, um, in remission. But, um, yeah, so he was working as a lawyer and he was overworking, he was hustling kind of, you know, that martyr energy of being unacknowledged and just carrying kind of the workhorse. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And so that was a big moment. Here I was like busting my ass in my PhD, trying to get my doctorate. (laughs) We're living the mompreneur life here, Um, (laughs) but I got a little extra co-host here, Miss Luna. (laughs) Um, But yeah, for me, like seeing my dad's journey um, and the end of his story goes is that he got laid off um, right before, like he had basically gone through it most of his treatments and right at the end he got laid off. So here he kind of martyred his way through, I mean, not martyred, but like strength, courage, you know, but he couldn't just end it. He worked, Mm -hmm. you know, when he really should have been resting. And so I feel like if you don't make the change, the universe will make it for you. And so for him, you know, it ended it for him. And so that was a really powerful. I'm on this side and I'm on that Mm -hmm. side. Um, it was a really powerful lesson for me about burnout and that's been like kind of a repetitive theme in my life. Um, because you know, we all get a good dose of that, like, especially, um, in school and work life. Yeah. I mean, the story that we've, we've been taught is like, if you're not sacrificing, you're doing it wrong. Right. And like, where did we, when did we decide that we need to sacrifice in order to get to our goals? Why can't we just get to our goals and have it be fun and feel good? Yeah. And I mean, especially your health. And so I know you've had your own journey with burnout. That's partly why I got into the coaching business was to get that kind of elusive time freedom, um, mm-hmm. financial freedom. So tell me a little bit about and surrender that, you know, the universe was going to provide for you and, and all the magic that happened as you're connecting all these amazing women together. Yeah. So I, I think every, every business owner has this requirement to surrender. You know, we're working really hard to go after goals that we may not see fruit from for quite a while. And there's a requirement for us in that process to say, okay, I may not see the growth. I may not see the financial success right in front of me, but I'm going to move towards this. I'm going to, you know, strive to reach my outcome anyway. So surrender is like a non-negotiable, I think for many of us, right? Like you have to 
take those big leaps. And along the way, you know, I mean, we talked about this, how 2020 is the year of vision. Um, 2019 into 2020 was that, like that year. I say I'm probably coming out of it right now as we're talking. That this past year has been, for me, a recalibration of who I need to be to go to the vision that I see. And I think that's very true for a lot of entrepreneurs where we think, unfortunately, we, we would like it to be, hey, I'm going to reach this goal and I just got to you know, walk those miles and get to that outcome. But along the way, the universe is like, well, you want to walk that path, you got to buy some new sneakers, you know? Well, you want to walk that path, you got to make sure you're eating right. Okay, you want to walk that path? Well, you got to do this. And it's like, I think we as entrepreneurs are like, no, I just have to walk. Just let me walk the path, right? Like, don't interrupt me. But these interruptions are really important for the identity shifts that are necessary to our business success. So things like, you know, being a mom and having family challenges or being in a marriage and having your marriage feel like it's falling apart. Or for me in this past year, wanting to be really successful in my business and having health challenges really get in the way of my energy. And we can sit here and say, oh, all of these things are getting in the way of what we desire, but they are the way, right? The, these, these things that come up are because the universe is divinely in her most lovingly, you know, compassionate way saying, hey, you want to run this, this journey? Want to go? Like, these are the things that need to be worked on first or else as a feminine woman, you will subconsciously repress your growth, your success, your financial freedom, because you will feel like there's no room for it. The analogy I, you know, I give, well, first of all, for me and my health, right? I had a very limited amount of energy. So of course my business felt really big to me. It was like, oh my God, I got this, I got that. I have all these responsibilities. But when I feel well, my business feels small and there feels like there's lots of room for more, more clients, more transactions, more ideas, more opportunities. I had a woman come to me in the very early days of, you know, the work that I now do. And this is where kind of I started to recognize that this was a pattern. She wanted to make six figures, but she was miserable in her marriage and she wanted a divorce. But the story she was telling herself was, I don't make enough money to live independently, so I got to make this marriage work. But subconsciously, and her truth was that she was petrified of making the wrong decision. So she self-sabotaged her business so that she never had to make that decision in the first place. And we do this all the time, right? Like, I'm scared of putting my program out there, so let me come up with all of these big life things. I had one client, she got sick all the time, and that was her story. She's like, I can't launch, I'm sick, right? you're sick every other week because you're so scared of taking this step. And, uh, you know, long story short, I think the truth for all of us is that the surrender is in the personal work that comes as a responsibility of being a business owner and a feminine woman and surrendering to your, your mission in the service that you do, but also your mission for your self evolution of who you're meant to be. That's beautiful. And it kind of brings up the whole concept of fearless. And I think there's a couple pieces here. I mean, I think you have one of the first things you were actually one of the first coaches I came across in the coaching space. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of definitely, I think one of the first ones I purchased and like I said, you know, that accessibility piece, yes. you offer high end coaching at every, um, I do. 
level, which I think is so amazing. And, um, I've surveyed each <laughs> version of that from the inexpensive courses to the group programs to one-on-one. -on -one. And it's been super powerful to see that, you know, the quality is there even in the free or, um, the lower, lower ticket items. And I think that that's huge because I found as a therapist, you know, a lot of people can't even afford mental health and mental health is kind of a luxury nowadays. Yeah. And so, you know, I feel like this accessibility is such a huge issue. And as more and more businesses are going online and as we sort of take this, um, spiritual wisdom or even healing wisdom or therapeutic wisdom, like out of the ivory tower and make it accessible to people, I think is such a huge revolution. Um, one of the things that I've really been focusing on is we're all familiar with the Me Too movement, and I want to spend some time on that because I've done a lot of rape prevention work, and I've been a victim advocate, and I've had my own healing journey um, with sexual traumas. Um, but yeah, I wanted to kind of talk with you about, I feel like you've been super open about your mental health, about your trauma history, um, and I think that visibility piece is so powerful because it gives people permission to say like, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, how did you work up the courage to, to put some of these things out there? Because I feel like it's, it's so major and healers in particular, I think because we're intuitive, because if we're not careful, we take on the energy of other people. I think we're more prone to have past trauma and we're more prone towards anxiety and depression. So just tell me a little bit about, you know, how you make sense of all of those things on your journey. Yeah, for sure. I love this question. I think for me, I'm, I'm a firm believer that like part of my, my karmic mission on this planet was to go through everything that I went through, you know? And I think there are a lot of women out there who don't see their experiences in that light, they almost feel maybe angry or discouraged or um, disappointed in the, you know, the, the hand of cards that they have been dealt, right? And it's really, I, I don't blame them. You know, I, I've been there. I'm, I'm a victim. I don't like the word victim, but I have experienced sexual assault when I was 13. I had six boys who were 17, so almost men, um, break into my home when I was babysitting my sisters. And then my freshman year of college, I was date raped on campus and attempted suicide afterwards. So I had a, a real emotional struggle at a young age in part because I think nobody really taught me how to handle my emotions. And my emotions were always most often judged. Um, I, like many empaths, am very sensitive. So when I was younger and my parents were fighting, I would feel that. When I saw kids at school being bullied, I would feel that. And I never had somebody in my life explain what to do with those emotions that I was receiving and holding on to. And that alone was traumatic for me as a child. So I think um, at a young age, and I, I can go into like my whole spiritual theory on this, like I'm, I'm a firm believer that I'm of the Palladian, like mm -hmm. Darseed collection, right? And yep. this is this is not my first lifetime on planet Earth, but I'm very sensitive because I am still, while I'm wise and old in many ways, I'm also very new to the collective experience here. So, um, part of my my path is like being a human's kind of hard, right? And I think. Glennon Doyle talks about this. She says, mm -hmm. you know, having it be hard, like you're not doing it wrong. You're doing it right. Being a human is really fucking hard, right? 
So, uh, you know, I always try to remember that. But anyway, I, you know, I had these experiences and I remember when I, I think I had come out of the psychiatric ward diagnosed with a mental illness and I didn't tell doctors what I had been through after I attempted suicide. So what they saw was, you know, a freshman college girl who, you know, was kind of sad and, and did some things maybe for attention, who knows, right? Uh, and here's some medication. And that began my path of, of medicating to avoid the feelings rather than, you know, having to live with them all the time. And uh, I remember being in Florida. I took a trip afterwards with my family to like, you know, kind of refresh and start over. And I was reading the book by James Fry of A Million Little Pieces. I love that book. Oh my God. I, love I actually just watched the movie. Have you seen Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I actually talked to him afterwards because <laughs> I, I know I was like fangirl and I sent him a message on Instagram. I was like, this is amazing. And he was just really nice. And I have his book, My Friend Leonard. That's also a really great one if you haven't read it. But anyway, I remember reading the book and being like, oh my God, this guy has a really shitty past and he's not afraid to talk about it. Wow. Like that. Wow. We could do that because, you know, for years, my mother was like, don't talk about this. Don't say that. Hide this because that's what she was taught to do to be private in her life. And I had no desire to be that way. I wanted to talk about everything with everybody and I wanted to be myself and have no consequences for that. And, uh, I just felt really inspired by that. And I knew that one day, everything that I had been through, I kind of got this message in that moment and everything I had been through, I would eventually be able to talk about. So not just to talk about, but to help people by sharing. And I started blogging when I quit my corporate job. That was the first thing I did was just write articles about different experiences and little by little story by story. I worked up the courage to share some of the more difficult stories. And, you know, there was so much healing in that because women felt empowered to know that they weren't alone in what they had been through, but also not alone in what they were feeling in the process of going through those things. So that was really a, a profound moment for me when I realized part of my life is to, my life's purpose is to be vulnerable and just to share what I've been through. Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, I think you are such an inspiration to, to women in so many different ways, but I think particularly among those issues, um, you know, I've had some similar things happen. I experienced a sexual assault in high school and, um, it wasn't psychiatric medications that I numbed with, but it was like drugs and alcohol. And so I think it, it tends to be one or the other. And I can say like with the therapist, psychologist hat on, I really do truly believe that we are medicating a lot of our great visionaries and creative people. Yes. And the, you know, I've done a lot of training on medical intuition and they actually say that the more trauma you have, the more it rewires your brain to kind of activate the right side, which is the more mystical kind of feminine piece. Wow. Yeah. And even more so like if you grow up in like an abusive home, you know, it's a coping strategy to be hypervigilant or to be able to kind of sense what's happening. It's really like a safety strategy. So I know for me, um, when I was in grad school, I really felt this mission to kind of take on a social justice issue that, um, 
you know, doesn't sort of get talked about a lot. And so I decided to um, do an empathy, um, a look at what could increase men's empathy around rape. And at the time, I still really had not kind of come to terms with my own rape. I still, like, I knew it was bad, but I didn't really maybe call it rape, even though at this point, I've been doing counseling for years with women. And so it was only really when I became um, a victim advocate that I kind of went like, holy shit, this is rape. Like, Uh this is what happened. And so there was like a good, maybe like 10 years where I just kind of called it, oh, that was a mistake or that was a bad decision or that was me being slutty. There's a lot of women who do that. Yeah. That's very common. Yeah. And so um, it was really powerful for me to take that on as kind of a social justice issue. And then at the same time, I started realizing that I also kind of didn't want to be like the poster girl for it because it did map on to my trauma. And so here I was working with a lot of women survivors doing the trauma therapy and we're talking about it. And so it was just kind of continuing to activate it. And so in healer circles, a lot of times they say, um, that if you never talk about it, it digs it deep into the body. And then if you talk about it too much, it digs it deep because it becomes part of the identity. Yes. So it's oh, yeah. this, like fine line mm-hmm. <laughs> of acknowledging it, being open about it, um, but not making it like who you are. Yes. So how have you been able to do that? Because you've shared a lot of different things, um, you know, one of my favorite populations to work with is healers. And that's been a big part of my own recovery around healing, not only the trauma, but healing my body. I I agree. Like I have a lot of Pleiadian influence as well. Um, So I know for me as a psychologist, I was doing like tarot card readings, one-on-one with people. Like I had a holistic framework. I would say I do Reiki, but it was still kind of like closeted. And it was really only when I switched over to coaching that I felt like I could really like come out completely um, as a hundred percent healer. Um, So tell me a little bit, I know you've done some plant medicine, you've done the water fast, like what's it been like to be um, kind of a, I don't know if you would say spokesperson, but like a leader in, you know, trying new healing modalities. Oh yeah. It's been amazing. I think, um, you know, and just, this is kind of, I think wrapped up in what we were talking about before about rape and trauma, because a lot of the healing modalities that I've in invested my energy into have been very of service to healing those wounds, right? And to repairing those things. I did therapy for years. And that again, just talking about things over and over, like becomes your identity. So I, um, I decided that I was going to accept the fact that there would be layers to my healing around all of this. And it's not like a you're cured and like, it's gone. It's, it's like layers of an onion and kind of just like ripping things up, but peeling those layers back, it's easier and easier the deeper you go in, in my opinion, right. For my perspective or the belief I choose to have. Right. So, um, I started to explore other healing modalities when I started to come off of all of the medication that I had been prescribed. I was an alcoholic for many years. Also, you know, these numbing agents we talk about. And the more that I started to feel, the more I recognized that there was stuff for me to work through because for years I wasn't feeling anything. I was taking Prozac and Adderall in the morning. And then at one point it was some extra antipsychotic that I, you know, was able to remove early on in my personal development journey. 
And then I would drink in the afternoon, maybe smoke some pot, have cigarettes. I'd have like a pack of cigarettes a day. I was clouding my energy. Like I just didn't want to feel anything. And the more that I slowly took those shields down, those, you know, numbing agents got removed from my life. Um, you know, I'm almost, I'm a year and a half sober. I haven't been on any, any anti anything medications for quite a while. Um, the more I got curious about all of these other healing modalities that I had seen come up and, you know, my belief is like, if it comes up once in my, you know, space and sphere, okay, cool. But when something comes up like twice or three times, it's like, okay, I'm listening. Like I hear you like time to do it. So I explored Reiki and I explored, uh, meditation and breath work and plant medicine. I've, I've done psilocybin multiple times. I have uh, traveled to Costa Rica to sit with grandmother ayahuasca, and I'm going back again twice this coming year. So um, I did a 21 day water fast, right? And all of these things are learning how to connect to my higher divine power of the feminine and removing the walls that keep me from doing that. That's really what it is all about, right? Like removing those walls within you that say, don't look at that don't touch that, don't explore that, right? And when you remove those walls, you're giving, you're taking your power back, right? Because when we have walls up that don't allow us to explore things that we've been through, we have walls up within ourselves. And that is a really unhealthy way to live. So by really exploring these modalities, I've come to a deep layer of healing. And I'm, I'm honestly very excited to see what happens next after this, because now that my health is in really good standing, I feel like I'm going to go into a whole nother layer of like spiritual gift and channeling and, uh, you know, abundance. So I'm very much, very much here for it. Um, the water fasting was interesting because I had done that for my health, but it ended up being very spiritual in the process. And um, ayahuasca, talk about surrendering. That is a huge, huge surrendering lesson, that whole entire experience. Um, and psilocybin as well has just been really healing for me. So yeah, I yeah. recommend all of that to anybody who's curious. Just explore. Explore what excites you and explore what you think will be a good opportunity for healing. Yeah, I'm really excited about the use of psychedelics um, in mainstream mental health because uh, I was actually at a conference not too long ago, and this was like a neuroscientist, and he was basically saying that um, the current medications like antipsychotics, I'm totally not a fan of. I think that that's like probably one of the worst medications, um, particularly the side effects of it are really tough. I mean, talk about being kind of like a zombie or imprisoned in that, um, moment, you know, so it's amazing to you. I think it's super powerful that you got off of those because a lot of people get told like, Oh, you have bipolar. I'm not saying you do, but like, that's a common medication for that. Um, and you have to take it the rest of your life, you know? And so I think it's so powerful. Many doctors tell me that too. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I, um, you know, I was told early on by a psychic that I was going to be kind of this bridge between mental health and healing traditions. And I think it's, you know, I've always been a proponent to people like, you know, it's up to you. Like you really need to advocate for your own mental health. And there's a lot of um, drawbacks to traditional psychopharm. Um, and so they're kind of saying that like these meds that we have been using are like, um, painkillers, basically they just numb, they suppress, like you're saying, they wall off emotions. 
but things like the psilocybin, ayahuasca, these psychedelics, um, actually are more like antibiotics in the sense that they actually change things. They shift the perception and it's like enduring change versus just like blunting or covering up a lot of pain. And so um, it's coming mainstream and so is healing. And so I think like the feminine revolution is definitely here and I'm excited to see, you know, mental health co-opted like mindfulness and spirituality a few years ago. And now they're opening up more to the psychedelic and that's when people have used that recreationally or for spiritual purposes, you know, they're seeking something, you know, something outside of themselves. And so I think it's powerful that we have these natural alternatives um, to help people on their healing journey. Me so. Me yeah, too. it's awesome. Well, so, I mean, from the outside, it looks like you're super brave, which I, I feel like you are, but Thanks. I'm sure on is that like anxiety or like vulnerability edge? How do you soothe yourself? Because one of my big things is I got really excited about that pleasure-based business and really, you know, the feminine and receiving. And, and I feel like pleasure really is sort of the antidote to trauma. Um, so what's it like for you? Like what's next on your horizon? Like how have you incorporated pleasure? How do you let it be easy and receive? Yeah. So I had to give myself permission to feel good. And I think a lot of women say, well, I'll reach this goal and then mm-hmm. I'll reach this outcome. And it's then. a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Yeah. Cause there's never an outcome that's going to make you feel like it's enough if you have that approach. So um, I started to give myself permission to do that and it started small, right? Like I almost feel like as somebody who's been through trauma, we, it's almost like we're punishing ourselves for years, right? By shutting ourselves off to pleasure. And so I had to really start small with things like, you know, bubble baths and buying flowers for myself and going for walks and taking time to do my makeup in the morning, right? Like little things that just made me say, you're worthy. You're worthy of this. And then that expanded into uh, being worthy of honoring my time and saying no to certain things and then being worthy of big investments and and then being worthy of receiving big money. And so it's just like these, again, the layers of the onions, like going little by little and and slowly unfolding. I think what I've, what I've come to realize is that um, the pleasure that I am craving is not about, again, the doing, it's about the being, right? And so, you know, a lot of the tasks that I had to do in my business were not necessarily pleasure filled. They were filled with heart racing fear and worry and panic. And, oh my God, I'm going to press post on this. Oh my God, I'm going to do it live on this. Oh my God, like what do people think? And after every time I had to really be intentional about looking for the reasons why things were great. You know, what was great about that? And I would look for all of the positive feedback. And I just was very intentional about my focus and choosing to pay attention to where things were really good as a result of the work I did. And that was a choice of thought of pleasure that created a ripple effect. So that's kind of how I've been showing up in this season. And for me, my whole business now is going to be about that. Yeah. That's so exciting. Um, so I'm kind of curious just for a final thought, 
you know, like, what if you had played small? Like, what if you hadn't have gone for it? I know it's your destiny and your soul mission. So probably there was times when you didn't want to, but what would you say to someone if they were feeling like, oh, it's not going to work out for me or I can't do it? Like, Mm -hmm. what's your final thought on that? Well, what if you can? Yeah. You know, like what if you can? What if you go your whole entire life never having taken a leap and you're in that rocking chair at 75 years old saying, man, I wish I did that. You know, I think we uh, we only get one as far as we know, right? In this present moment. I mean, I know I've had multiple lives, but we've like in this in this body, in this circumstance, in this reality, I have one of this. And if I if there's anything that I think of doing and I don't do it, and I close my eyes and I think about, okay, where will my life be in five years by choosing not to do this? Where will my life be in 10 years by choosing not to do this? Where will my life be in 20 years by choosing not to do this? And sometimes when I do that hypnosis and I like walk myself through those future tense sort of questions, I'm dead. Like I, I see nothing, right? It's just like black. And, and I think it's just important to note that, um, your desires are meant for you. I know I say that a lot and it's mm-hmm. very true. And if we just learn to follow the desire path, follow what's craving and what we're curious about and what we're excited to do. And if you don't know the answers to those questions, get curious and have a season of experimentation. You know, have commit to 30 days or 60 days of just trying new things to explore your identity. Because many of us, have shut that off. And so there's an activation process kind of required for that of just like learning how to be in that place of knowing what you want and feeling that pleasure associated with what you want. So, um, yeah, my, my reaction to that is, well, what if it did work, right? What if you did it and it did work? Where, where would life be then? Imagine that five years, 10 years, 20 years, like, whoo, where would life be? And so for me, I think, uh, what helped me in taking that shot Uh, was the revelation that the worst that could happen is that I ended up exactly where I was, miserable. So that's the worst that can happen. Why don't I just go for this? And I did. And I'm so happy I did. That's amazing. Well, and I think you've inspired so many like women in particular, but also people along your path. So tell us, where can we find you? Like, tell us about your business. Yeah. So my Instagram handle is I am business babe. You can come find me and say hello, screenshot this episode. Let me know that you're here because I'd love to meet you. And uh, also if you want some more about me and my story, the business babe podcast is a great place to start. There's tons of free trainings on there as well as some solo episodes about my life and my ayahuasca journey and my mental health story. It's all on there. So um, if you want to come check it out and, uh, Yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys there. Well, thank you so much for being on today. And thanks for being such a big part of this feminine revolution that's happening and being so loud and proud about who you are. I think it's an inspiration. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.